0: Amen. You can take your seats. Great to be with you tonight. And I just return all of those uh, gratitude for those kind words. Pastor Jack, it's an honor to be speaking at uh, your missions conference. To be honest, uh, my wife and I, we just registered because we wanted to be here In the presence of what takes place in this church and catch something so we can take it back and sow it into our own congregation. The reason why is because 25 odd years ago when we were 16, Jack came, spoke to our church, lit a fire in the heart of myself and my future wife when we were 16. Anyone 16 here tonight? There's a young fella there, he's put his hand up, hand down, hand up, hand down. 16, the one after 15, not quite, but you're on your way. 16 years old, when that fire got lit in my heart and I realised I wasn't on this earth to live a lifestyle of choice. I wasn't on this earth to pursue an outcome of something that, you know, I thought that would be a good idea. But I realized God had put me on this earth with a purpose and he was going to outwork that purpose through his church and through all those who would pick up the mantle and the call to take the gospel into places it's never been, to see things it's never done before take place in the lives of people all over the world. Amen. So here we are today. I love the name of this conference. For a king... And a cause. In Matthew chapter 25, we hear Jesus declare the cause of the king. Or let me say it like this we hear the king declare his cause. I'll read it to you from the message paraphrase. It says in verse 34, Then the king will say to those on his right, Enter, you who are blessed by my father. Who's looking forward to hearing those words? I'm with you. Take what's coming to you in this kingdom. It's been ready for you since the world's foundation. And here is why. You're listening? This is why. This is really important. You want to be a part of that group that gets welcomed in? Here's why. I was hungry and you fed me. So encouraged by hearing that word that was shared tonight by Eloise and just seeing the change that's being made in places that if the gospel didn't go there, those changes don't take place. I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I mean, if I was walking past and I saw Jesus, the human person, Jesus, I'd do more than just give Him a feed and give Him a drink. I'd do whatever I could to be like we were here. I honour Him worship Him. But here Jesus is giving us an insight to something. And if you miss this, you might miss your eternity. Friends, get a hold of this. I was homeless and you gave me a room. I was shivering and you gave me clothes. I was sick and you stopped to visit me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then... Those sheep are going to say, but master, we never saw you. We don't know what you're talking about. When did we ever see you hungry and feed you? When did we ever give you a drink? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and come and visit you? And then the king will say, I tell you the solemn truth. Whenever you did one of these things to someone overlooked or ignored, that was me. I know it was a bit of a sneaky trick because you'd rather be standing up the front and just singing a beautiful song. But when you walked out of this building, when you lived your Monday to Saturday, not the space in here, is when you had your greatest opportunity to minister to me. You did it to me. Heavenly Father, I pray that we catch something here tonight. We do not want to walk out of this building the same way we walked in. We would not have walked into this building unless we felt that way. That's why we come into this place. So that your word would speak to us and do what your word only can do. No human can fix another human. If we could fix each other, we'd be fixed already. I can't even fix myself. So Lord, would would your word do what you promised it would do and that is transform me into the man that you've created me to be and every man, woman, and child in this place. Lord, I pray the same prayer that the power of the Holy Spirit's spoken word would come alive in us and we would be different people, changed and transformed by you tonight in Jesus' name. You know, as a child, I grew up under the roof of my parents And I had a pretty clear understanding as I was growing up that it was my parents' responsibility to look after me. I grew up knowing that my dad was the protector of my home. Anyone else got a dad that's the protector of their home? Not that there's a lot that you need being protected from, but dads like to be the protectors of their homes. I lived that way until I was 19 years of age, knowing that my dad was the protector of the home. I lived that way until I was 19. It was May the 13th, year 2000. I was 19 years old. That was the day that I got married to the love of my life, who's here with me. We've been married for 23 years this year. I always lean in for a bit of encouragement, but really it's my wife that needs the encouragement. She's suffered for 23 years. God bless you, you're doing You're doing it for Jesus. On the day that I got married was also the day that I moved out of my father's house. And on that day, I moved into my wife's house. little side note. Whenever I say side note, just to give you a heads up, side note means I'm about to say something that's got no relevance whatsoever to the message tonight. It's just important for you to know. Side note, my wife didn't own the house But when I moved into the house, I kind of had an intuitive awareness that everything besides the lawns and the wheelie bins belonged to her. You know, when this change took place of moving out of my mum and dad's care and into a house of my own, of our own, I became very aware that now I had inherited the responsibility that my father once held over me. And now I had taken on the role of being the protector of my home. Three years later, We brought a child into the world. His name was Oscar. We brought him home from the hospital. He weighed just over seven pounds. I could hold him in one hand. In fact, I did, and I raised him up like Mufasa would. Two people that should never sing, sung from the platform tonight. You were better. You were better. He's seven pounds, like he's like, you he weighed nothing. But I tell you what, the weight of responsibility that he brought into my life was heavy. Over the next years that followed, we added more children into our life and, a, and the, the weight of that responsibility just increased again and again because having little people brought this realization to me. While my wife and I were in the home, I was absolutely there as a protector. But my wife, she's strong. She's got a strength for herself. But little people, little babies, they got no strength or care, ability for themselves whatsoever. So that entirely came down to me. So it's with this understanding that I'm going to share with you an event that took place in our home that changed my life. It was on a night like any other. I was participating in putting our three little children to off to sleep and side note for any prospective parents out there I want you to know the most challenging thing about putting children to sleep is not getting them to sleep it's making sure that you don't fall asleep while putting them to sleep my kids be all running out to their Mum, mom dad fell asleep in the bed again Don't you dob? (laughs) So eventually, I get my kids off to sleep, and I go. We were living in a house at the time, which was a long rectangular shape, and my kids were all at one end of the house, and we were at the other. And so, I get down, and eventually, I put myself off to bed. I say goodnight to my wife, and I go to sleep, and and I'm blissfully sleeping until my sleep was broken by the sound of adult footsteps running down the hallway of my house from the end of the house where my children were, running towards my end of the house where the front door was. I sat, now I'm going to tell you something. What I'm about to tell you took place in a matter of split seconds, meaning it's going to take a lot longer for me to explain it to you than as it actually happened. So I sit bolt upright in bed. This has never happened in my house before. I sit bolt upright. I am snapped out of sleep in an instant. I, I I hear the front door, you know the lock? I hear the click of the lock turn. I At the same time, I turn my head and I look at my wife and her face is white with terror. Seeing her face causes me to leap out of bed, Cross the bedroom with the speed of Usain Bolt. And with adrenaline surging through my body, I am running at full speed to my front door. I get to my front door and I reach out for the handle. My fist is raised. I'm about to run out there to whatever has just been into my house. And it's right at this moment that I rip open the front door and I'm confronted with a sight that I'll never forget it's terrified me every day since. Now before I tell you what happened, there's three things that you need to know about this story. Number one, the footsteps that I heard didn't actually come from inside my house. They came from the outside of my house running down my driveway. Number two, the click of the lock that I heard didn't come from the handle being turned on the inside as someone was leaving. The click of the lock came from someone turning a key on the outside. And number three, the terror that I saw in my wife's eyes was not caused by the concern or care that I had for our children, but rather her terror was caused by me and my wild eyes bolt upright in bed out of nothing. So I reach for the door. Adrenaline, so you can imagine, surging through my body. My fist is raised. I'm ready. I rip open the door. I'm already moving out and standing right in front of me is my mother. <laughs> now you say a oh, lot. You played that story up. You said it was terrifying. Nothing terrifying about it being your mum. Friends, let me tell you, in that moment I froze because I realised as I was standing before her with my wild eyes and my fists raised, it turns out I was actually wearing the same outfit that I was on the day that she brought me into the world. For those of you that need context for the story, side note, my mum and dad moved to Melbourne. They were visiting back, staying at our place. My mum had been out with girlfriends. I just completely forgot she was simply coming home. After I changed outfits, we sat around in the lounge room. And my mum asked me the obvious question. What was your plan? <laughs> to which I gave the very obvious answer, there obviously was no plan. <laughs> I thought someone had been in my house potentially causing harm to my children and that triggered an instinctive response within me where I didn't even know what the outcome was going to be. I just had to be involved. Now, you need to get this because through my hugely embarrassing experience, I learned something so powerful that has shaped a part of my life, and that's this. When you know what you're fighting for, it will determine what you fight against. I'm here to ask you tonight, young person, what are you fighting for? In 1 Samuel 17, we read one of the most well-known and celebrated stories in the whole Bible. The story of David, the shepherd boy from the back blocks of nowhere, maybe Penrith. He's taking on Goliath the super heavyweight champion of the then known world. Now, I love this story. It must have been read to me a hundred times before I could read, and I've read it a thousand times since. Uh, I've, I've loved the heroic nature of the story, but friends, it's not until I learned this principle of what you're fighting for determines what you'll fight against that I actually saw the purpose in this story, and it has redefined its meaning for me. You know, when we read this story in 1 Samuel, we learn that before David ever stepped onto the battlefield, he was in the role of a shepherd looking after his father's sheep. And while he was caring for his father's sheep, there were times when a predator would attack the sheep, get in amongst them, find a lamb, wrap its jaws around it, and then make for its escape we read that David's response was to run the beast down and literally rescue the lamb from the jaws of a lion or a bear. I'm telling you, this is wildly heroic. Any of you young fellas want to show the girls what you got? Just go kill a lion and a bear with your bare hands. That's all, not much. Now, I've always preached about this story and this part of the story is David taking on the lion and the bear as being a part of his training ground for his future fight against the giant. And I'm sure that there's truth in that, but I've actually come to realize something else. I've come to realize that this story isn't about a lion. This story is not about a bear. In fact, this story is not even about a giant. You get this, right? Because David didn't wake up on the morning that he had to do any of those three things, taking on a lion, a giant or a bear. He never woke up and went, I hope today while I'm guarding the sheep, a lion tries to get in amongst it. In fact, David didn't go out there and say, you know what? I'm not going to look after the sheep today. I feel like going hunting. I could understand if he did, because that sounds like fun. Friend, we've got to get this. David was a shepherd. And as a shepherd, David carried personal responsibility for the lamb. So when the lamb was taken by a beast, it triggered, stay with me young people, it triggered something within him. And that caused him to go go after whatever was putting that lamb's life in danger. Here's the point. David never went after a lamb. Sorry, David never went after a lion. David never went after a bear. David went on a rescue mission for a lamb. So David arrives on the battlefield. The taunts of the giants ringing in the ears of every Israelite man in that army. And they hear it and they run with terror, consumed with fear. And something gets triggered within David. Without hesitation and without self-preservation, almost as if he didn't have a plan. I'm not advocating not having a plan, although much of my life certainly shows that's the case. I'm sure you don't get to the Olympics without one, so maybe you should have one. But David responds to the giant the same way he responded to the lion and the bear, he says, I'll take on anything that's putting who, those who I am responsible for in danger. So why was David so different to everyone else? There's a whole army there. Why was David the one that was responsible for Israel? You know, in a previous chapter, we read the story about Samuel the prophet coming and anointing David to be the future king. You know, as I sit in this room and I'm, I, I can't help it, everybody, I'm drawn to this space of the room because I can see myself sitting there two decades ago. Close to three. <laughs> and I know it's old enough for something to be triggered in your heart that matters. And that's the age David was. When the prophet Samuel found him and poured a jar of oil over him and told him he was going to be the future king of Israel. And what did David do the next day? He went and looked after sheep. It doesn't matter what position God's got you in right now. If he's anointed you to be a future king, then you can live as a future king today. So David walks onto the battlefield and he hears the taunts of the giant. And everyone else runs, but something rises up with David because now no longer is he just shepherding the sheep of his fathers. He's now shepherding a nation. And if there is fear being caused to rise up in the hearts of those people in his nation, he says, I'm here to fight against that. When you know what you're fighting for... It determines what you will fight against. I'm asking you tonight, what are you fighting for? What are you carrying personal responsibility in your heart for? Let me tell you why the answer to this question is so important. One of the things, and maybe the young fella on the keys, what an absolute weapon. Where is he? Where is he? He's up here. Yeah. yeah, you're going to get some attention now. Everyone's clapping. Yeah, 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 come and come do your thing. Fifteen years old, this young fella. got a call of God on his life. Taught himself on YouTube, I heard. What a man. You know, one of the things that has derailed Christians ever since the term was developed or given to the church. In fact, one of the things that has de- uh, derailed the church ever since its birth is when an individual or an entire church loses sight of the king's cause and pursues another one. Now, isn't it interesting to consider that... As Jesus was going through every stage of his trial and crucifixion, at any point, he could have said one word and it would have immediately stopped the proceedings and smashed everyone who was opposing him. But Jesus remained silent. doesn't say a word. When you know what you're fighting for, not only does it determine what you'll fight against, it also determines what you won't fight against. Let me say it this way. When you know what you're fighting for, when you know what your cause is, you won't be distracted or deterred by anything else except for that. Jesus was fighting for the souls of all mankind. His fight wasn't with those who were doing him harm. Rather, his fight was against the one who held the keys to sin and death. So he didn't let the abuse that he suffered trigger him. He didn't let the insults that he bore trigger him. He didn't let the false accusations spoken against him trigger him. He didn't let the rejection from those that He loved trigger Him. He didn't let being abandoned by literally everyone trigger Him. He didn't let the public humiliation trigger Him. He didn't let the pain inflicted upon Him trigger Him. Jesus knew what He was fighting for, so He was willing to endure whatever He had to so that He could move forward with His cause. You know, in this life of faith, I've got to tell you something you already know. There's going to be times when you will be mistreated. There's going to be times when you're going to be overlooked. There's going to be times when you will be undervalued. There will be times when you'll be slandered and vilified. There'll be times when you'll be misunderstood. Lies will be spoken about you. Threats might even be made against you. And when you experience those type of things, it's almost impossible to not be offended. It's almost impossible to not get caught up in making sure your rights and your reputation are upheld. What we see in the life of Jesus is this. When you have a cause that is significant enough to give your life for, it means that all the ill treatment along the way cannot deter or distract you from fulfilling that mission. When David walked onto the battlefield, he inquired about the giant, and his brothers insulted him. He kept his eye on the real enemy. Yeah, I don't want to listen to that voice. I got an enemy. i got something. I got. To, I'm fighting for something. I got. To, when Jesus was going to the cross. He didn't get distracted by the offense that was being hurled upon him. I'm going to say something straight to you tonight. If you are using your energy to fight for something that protects your rights and your reputation, then I would suggest to you that your cause is not big enough and you have not yet aligned with the king's. And here's why that's so important for you to know. Because if you live your life fighting small battles, you become a small person. The bigger the cause, the bigger the person you become. When we align our lives with the King, we also align our lives with the King's cause. Which will cause us to go after battles of eternal significance where lives are changed here on earth and for all of eternity. So, what has He called us to fight for? Well, it's right there. He's called you to fight for the hungry, He's called you to fight for the thirsty. Told you to fight for the homeless, for the shivering, for the sick, and the imprisoned. When you know what you're fighting for, it will determine what you fight against. Heavenly Father, I pray for the soul of every person in this room. And I ask that tonight that they might be stirred. Stirred afresh. With great purpose. That you would remind us tonight, Lord God, that we are on this earth with a mission and a cause that you ignited and that we're now participating in. Lord, we do not want to be people of small battles. Would you remind our hearts of what we're on this earth to carry personal responsibility for? We surrender our lives to you. Use us, Lord to do whatever you want to do. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.